0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at BethanyNaz.org. Hey, good morning. Get any more energy than that? You might give back. uh, Good morning, everybody. I love that. That's great. How many of you would consider yourself pretty knowledgeable? In fact, you would say, you know what? In my life, I've acquired a lot of information. I know a lot of stuff. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because that would be the opposite of humility, right? But I'm just asking you to think with me. You would say that, Rick, I've acquired quite a bit of knowledge in my life. Or many of you are students, and you're acquiring knowledge at a very rapid pace right now. So this year, you know more than you knew last year. Next year, you'll know more than you knew this year. So you're acquiring knowledge. So... Let me ask you a separate question that's very different. You ready? How many of you would consider yourself wise? Because there's a big difference in knowledge and wisdom. So you might say I have a lot of knowledge. I don't know that I would say that I'm full of wisdom. So I don't know if you ever met anybody like this, but I have who would, who would just come across to me as a person who was full of knowledge, lots of information, but when I watched them navigate through life, I would say, you know, they don't seem very wise. And at the same time, I've met people who maybe didn't have a lot of knowledge, maybe didn't have the gift of education, but they seem to be full of wisdom. All right? So let me give you a, a working definition. I think this is what knowledge is knowledge is acquired information. And so we get information a lot of ways. You may get it through experience, or you may gain information through education. Uh, You may gain uh, knowledge through various ways. But it's, it's kind of like this. I've stacked up a lot of information and I know a lot of stuff. However, wisdom is very different. Wisdom would be the ability to use knowledge to make good decisions. So not only do I have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, but I also have been given the ability to use all of that knowledge I have to make good, sound decisions, all right? Now, I I think one of the questions we ask would be, so where where do you get wisdom? I mean, I know where you get knowledge. You ask Siri, right? You just say, Siri, I don't know this. Tell me the answer to this. I know where you get information, but where do you get wisdom? Right now I'm getting a text. And you might say, well, I, I think wisdom comes with age. Don't you think? It's like wisdom comes with experience. Sometimes you become wise after you've made a mistake and you say, you'll never fool me again. I've, I've learned something. And so while the writer of Proverbs would agree with all of those, um, the writer of Proverbs would also say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A person who is wise is one who has great respect for God. And the truly wise person would say that through my past experiences it has been God who has been teaching me anyway. So I've tried to take a minute here just to get you thinking about wisdom and where wisdom comes from because that's what we're talking about today. And and actually, um, as we talk about going through Hard times or when life gets hard, this is this is the bottom line. And it's simply this when life gets hard, God will give you wisdom. So when life gets hard and life is gonna get hard, God is gonna give you wisdom. So do you know what this weekend is? The celebration of the marathon to remember the bombing of Oklahoma City 23 years ago. See, hard times come. I wish they didn't, but they do. A moment ago, you were asked to give to support those who have been devastated by the wildfires in western Oklahoma because hard times come. And I'm looking into the eyes of a lot of people right now, and many of you are saying, Rick, right now, I'm going through a hard time in my life. Now, there's a false teaching that says if you follow Jesus and you love God, and you give in the offering, that you won't have hard times. God will build this wall of protection around you. There'll be this covering over you. The problem is that's not scriptural. The opposite is true. Jesus said, when you come on to follow me, when you sign on to be my follower, chances are good the hard times are going to ramp up. Jesus said it this way, as we said last week, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. So hard times come. But here's the deal, when hard times come, God will give you the wisdom that you need to navigate through those times. And so, grab your Bible if you will and let's go to the book of James. Okay, James chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. James chapter 1, and I'll start reading in verse 5. So James has identified himself as a servant of God, interesting, but also as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what makes that interesting is that James is an actual brother of Jesus. The Gospel of John tells us that James did not always believe in Jesus. I know he does some amazing things and it's hard to explain the miracles, but me and my brothers, we don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But then in the book of Acts, Jesus shows up to James. After James watched them kill him on a cross and bury him in a tomb. And Jesus says, James, it's me. Is this crazy or what? I really am the Son of God. And so James becomes this devoted follower of his brother Jesus. And he embraces the faith in Jesus that others have. And he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he does that until they murder him, until they take his life. And so when he writes, he writes to the 12 tribes that are scattered. So... Here's the deal. These are people who said, you know what? We're going to follow Jesus because we love Jesus. And our life is now all about Jesus. And we want more of Jesus. And we want to tell others about Jesus because Jesus is at the center of everything we do now. Jesus is at the center of our lives. We love Jesus. We are going to follow Jesus. And because they said that, they have to run for their lives. And now they're living as refugees. Because they're afraid if we don't run, if we don't get out of Jerusalem, they're going to kill us. And so that's who he's writing the letter to. People who really understand the fact that sometimes life is hard. But God is good. And so he says to them, I want you to know that in these hard times you're going through, in these trials you're going through, God's not going to waste them. He's going to use them to help you become more like Jesus. So that you're not lacking anything. But, verse 5, if you do lack something, or if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And He, He will give it to you. And listen to this, He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God only. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not Waver. For a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided. Between what? Between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything that they do. And so they should not expect to receive anything from God. So we just read the Word of God, the living Word of God. And one of the reminders for us is that God's Word is alive, is that it was written a couple of thousand years ago. But in the last 60 seconds, God spoke to some of us through His Word. Isn't that amazing? So we have this uh, couple whose names are Doug and Margaret Eaton. Doug and Margaret have been a part of our church for a long time. And they're now in their 70s, I think. And they made a decision to live in a small country in southern Africa, formerly known as Swaziland. And the reason I say formerly known as Swaziland is because Swaziland has a king. One of the last few countries in the world that has a king. I mean, this guy really is the king. And he can do whatever he wants because he's the king. And so two weeks ago on his birth date, he decided that he didn't like the name Swaziland because it was really an English derivative. And so he changed the name of the country to Eswatini. And now the name of the country is Eswatini. Eswatini. And so we don't have a Swaziland partnership anymore. Now we have an Eswatini partnership. No joke. And so I'm on the phone with Doug and Margaret the other day and I'm FaceTiming with them and really all I'm trying to do is catch up and see how they're doing. And I'm always worried that people who go to live that far away for us for a year, I worry that they're homesick or that they're not doing okay. And I'm asking all kinds of questions and Margaret is standing over Doug's shoulder and she says, hey, Pastor Rick, you don't need to worry about us. We are doing fine. There is nowhere in the world we would rather be than where we are right now because God is working in a powerful way so you can just relax about us. We're good. And they went on to tell me how that every day it's like we see God doing things that only God can do. God is just working powerfully and we realize, wow, that is the hand of God. We can't accomplish that on our own. The only reason things are happening is because God is doing them. And they just began to tell me how amazed they are. And so they talked to me about the Gerald Gassick Memorial Dental Clinic. And so a group of people here led by Tim Rothwell got together and said, we feel a real need to have a, a dental clinic in Swaziland. And so they built a dental clinic. And Doug says to me, here's how it works at the dental clinic. At about 4.30 in the morning, the line begins to form. People waiting to see a dentist. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you went to a dentist. But I think I'm pretty safe to say that you didn't have to show up at 4.30 in the morning and stand in the line for hours and hours and hours. And Doug said the real heartbreaking part of that is is that many times you show up at 4.30 in the morning and you get in line, but there's too many people in front of you and you don't get to see the dentist that day because they are really busy. But hopefully, if you get there early enough, you'll get to see a dentist. And he was just telling me about how they had needs for equipment and different things and how that God was putting things together. And they said it's like God is doing things. As we look back on it, We can't see any way in the world that we could have made this happen. It was only by the hand of God. Now, the opposite of that belief would be deism. Do you know what deism is? A deist would say, I believe in God. In fact, I believe that God created the world and everything in it. But after God created everything and He set everything in motion, then God crossed his arms and stepped back. And now he's not involved. He doesn't interact. He's not moving in our lives throughout the day. He's just watching us from a distance. Doug and Margaret would say, there is no way. Because you can't explain what is happening here. How God is moving. So, Doug talked to me one day about Having never lived in a society where they are starved for cash is eye opening. So he said, All these years, I've I've never, I've, I've visited countries, third world countries, but I've never lived in a country where the economy was just starved for cash. There's just no money. He said, So over the years, I've come to visit in Africa, and something breaks. And when something breaks, they all just kind of look at each other. And then they just walk away and shake their heads. And we Americans, we, we, we kind of consider a lack of drive or a lack of initiative. Why don't, why don't you fix what's broken? Why do you just walk away? Why does it sit there for years like this? He said, but there's no money. And if the repair is only $50... Or if the repair is only $100, they just look at each other and they shake their head and walk away because in their minds, there is no way that they can get their hands on $50 or $100. It seems impossible to them. And so they've learned just to say, it's broken. We can't fix it. Do you understand that I'm talking about a culture where life is hard every day? Where if you want to see a dentist, you go stand in line starting at 4.30 in the morning and you may stand in that line to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Do you understand I'm talking about a culture where life is hard every day where you pray in the next meal? Where you pray in the ability to see a doctor? Where life is hard. And, and, and what, what I'm understanding from James and what I'm understanding from Doug and Margaret is simply this. When we go through hard times, when life is hard, I need God to give me the wisdom to cope in those difficult situations. And Doug and Margaret, I say to them, wow, look what you're doing. And they're saying, what we're doing, you don't understand. This is what God is doing. God is the one who has given us wisdom to cope in these very trying situations. All of our life, We've had plenty for the first time in our lives. There's not plenty. And God has given us the wisdom that we need to cope in these very trying circumstances. And when you think about the people that James is writing to, this is the very first Christian community. These are the people who said, we love Jesus first. We're going to follow Jesus. They said it first. We're going to live for Jesus. They said it first. And now they have to live as refugees. And they're living in great poverty. And James is saying, hey, all of you who are living as refugees, who love Jesus, let me tell you something. I know it's hard, and I know that sometimes you feel lost, and you don't know which way to turn, and you don't know what to do. But let me just tell you something, okay? God is going to give you wisdom. He's going to walk with you. He's going to get you through this. So if you're sitting here looking at me saying, Rick, right now my life is hard. What would you recommend that I do? And it's what I love about God's Word. God's Word always talks to us about how we apply this to our lives. Because you're going to leave here in a few minutes. You're going to walk out the doors. And I think it's my responsibility to remind you this is what God's Word is saying we can do. You don't just walk away saying nothing changes. Oh no, you change. So I have a kind of a favorite preacher. Any of you have a favorite preacher you listen to a lot? Thank you very much. I was looking for one person in the whole room. And <laughs> my buddy Chad. And the only problem is he works for me. So I'm afraid that's the only reason he said it, but maybe not. But. So his name's Andy Stanley. So you love Andy Stanley. So Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Best Question Ever. And, and, and I love the question. I think it's awesome. You probably want to know what the question is if it's the best question ever, right? I don't know. Do you think you're ready for this? All right. I'm going to give you the question. Here's what he says. In light of my past experiences... So we've all had lots of past experiences, and we would say we have knowledge because we've had past experiences, right? I've learned something through experience. I have information because of experience. In light of my past experiences and my current circumstances, that's where I am right now, okay? In light of my current circumstances, this is what my life looks like today. And my future hopes and dreams. So although this is what my life looks like today, it doesn't mean that I don't have hopes and dreams. And one day I want my life to look like this, right? Here's the question. What is the wise thing for me to do? Best question ever, Andy Stanley says. You can apply it to any area of your life. So let's, let's think about finances, okay? So... When I think about my finances in light of my past experiences, and we all have past experience with finances, right? And my current circumstances. My current circumstances would be my current financial situation, my current financial position. And my future hopes and dreams. Now that's where I want to one day be financially, right? What's the wise thing for me to do here? Should I buy this new car? And a car dealer is going to say, yes, buy the new car. Should I buy this house? See, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And so you think about it physically, okay? When I think about where I'm at physically, I have a lot of past experience with my physical condition. My current circumstances, this right here is my current physical circumstance. And my future hopes and dreams, what one day I want to be like physically, what's the wise thing for me to do? Maybe I should get out today and take advantage of that sunshine and do something physically, you know, exhausting, exerting myself, some good exercise, right? What about relationships? Due to my past experiences, my current situation, and my future hopes and dreams, should I pick up a phone and call this person? You with me? What about my relationship with God? In light of my past experience with God, my current circumstance in my relationship with God, and where I want to be one day in my relationship with God, what's the wise thing for me to do? Maybe before I run out the door in the morning, I should just pause, pick up a Bible, read some in the Word, let God speak to me, and then speak to Him through prayer. See, wisdom is about practical Every day living. See, knowledge is like gaining information. Acquiring information. But knowledge is, what do you do with the information you've gained? It's it's, it's more about like uh, discernment. And common sense. And judgment. It's what do I do with this information that I now have? Have. And so here's what James says that you should do. James says, if you need wisdom, you should ask our generous God. Say it with me. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. So you may say, Rick, here's a problem. Um, I think about my past and I think about where I'm right now and where I want to one day be. But I keep making decisions that sabotage my future. I have knowledge, I've had past experience, and I can see where I am right now and where I want to be, but I keep making bad decisions. And what I really need is wisdom. And James says, well, if you need wisdom, you should ask God, our generous God. Now, for some of you, that's, uh, that's not a problem. But for others, it's, it's tough. To humble myself before the creator of everything and to say to God, I'm going through some stuff and I'm standing here in need and I need you to give me wisdom. Now there's a qualifier in it and here's the qualifier. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Now, what, is, what does that mean? So I think this is, this is what it means. I think you come to church on Sunday morning, okay, and you're like, okay, I I, I like this. I like what I'm hearing. I like what I'm seeing. I, I like being around these Christian people. Their life is is on track, you know, and I want my life to look more like that. I, I think this is the best life. This is what I, what I would like to live. This is how I would like to do life. I, in fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Jesus I made up my mind this is the life that I want but then on Monday you go to school or you go to work or you get in this other environment and and you feel a little bit tempted and you say "Wow, I I really I really like this idea of following Jesus but man this looks kind of good too and I mean I, I do want to follow Jesus but I, I don't want to be a fanatic right I mean I don't want to like take it overboard so I mean it's probably okay if you do a little bit of this I mean can you if you follow Jesus, I mean, how, how tight and close do you have to be? I mean, I mean, he understands, right, that I have all these other desires, right? Because, And so it's like a double-minded person, James says. I have a mind to follow Jesus. But I have another mind to kind of follow the way of culture and the world around me, James says. And it's like I've got divided loyalty. I want a little of both. And I can't seem to get it settled. My allegiances are divided. See, I'm not fully committed. So Annette and I moved here six years ago. And one of the things... That we, honestly, you know, it's not a big deal if you were raised here maybe, but we, we had to adjust to the wind. That was a big deal for us. So, you know, you, you learn after the first time that it happened, when you open that car door, you don't just let her go. You know, you, you hold on. You know, you get it open yourself there, you know. Um, so my mom, she's 82, and a year ago she came to visit me. Uh, shortly after my dad passed away so one day we were getting out of the car and we were walking into a restaurant and we're walking along and my mom just stops dead still in the parking lot just stops stands there and i i turn around and i walk back and i said you okay and it was one of those days where the wind's like 30 miles an hour i mean you you're having to adjust just to stand up you know and and my mom says to me she says ricky The next time you call me and tell me it's windy, I'm going to believe you, you know, because obviously for six years, I've been calling her saying, well, it's really windy today. So she got it. So here's, here's what we do. We we live and in our backyard, there's this little lake. It's, I think pond would be a better word. Okay. But it's, it's a small little thing in our backyard. And, um water and houses built all around it and 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 there's many times when we first moved here I would say to Annette Annette come here and she would come out of the bedroom and run into the living room and I'd say look at the waves out here this is crazy isn't it I think you could surf on those waves someday you know I mean just the wind is just blowing like crazy this you know wind going south to north and I mean the water is just moving like crazy here's the interesting thing about a wave a wave is the product of another force Do you know when waves happen? When wind and tide take hold of the water. Do you understand that waves do nothing on their own? They're completely a result of another force. They don't make decisions. They don't have a mind. They just get tossed around. And James is saying... You can't be like a wave. And so one day you say, okay, I I believe the Word of God, right? I believe that this is truth. I mean, I think that God is leading us. He's given us His Word, and so I believe in the Word of God. But then you, you turn on the television and you say, wow, that's an interesting way to think about it too. And then you find yourself in a conversation with some people and you think, wow, They don't believe the Word of God, they believe this, and you find yourself saying, I don't think I know what I believe about all of this. And so one day when I'm in church, I say, yeah, I believe this. But on Monday when I'm with friends, I say, ah, maybe I believe this. And again, it's division in my heart. I don't know what I believe. My faith is not in God alone. I'm riding the fence. I don't want to give in too much with the God thing because what's culture going to say? And how am I going to look to everybody else? Because to everybody else, this seems like truth. And so James says it really clearly. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Don't be blown by every wind. So here's what he says. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Seem harsh? Those words bother you? Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Feel like God is kind of a bad dude right there? Flexing his muscle a little bit. See, it's it's not that God says, I like people better who are undivided in their loyalty. And so I will give this to them, but I'm not giving it to you. It's that you're not open to hearing it. When your heart is divided, you're already saying, Oh, this is what God says. This is what, mm, I don't know. Why would I give you wisdom if you're not going to buy it anyway? Allie told you a moment ago that Saturday morning we're having a men's breakfast, so men means male, really. Everybody's welcome of every age. But uh, you ladies, you just are not invited to this. You just can't come. We don't want you there. So I met Todd Brown, who's going to be speaking a few years ago. And I remember after the first time I sat down and talked with him, I came home. And I was just blown away. So Todd is a guy who I think business is an ape to him. I think he could not not do business. So the idea of starting a business, running a business, selling a business, I don't think he has the ability to not do that stuff. Great businessman. And so Todd, very early on, even before college, started businesses kind of thing. He was very adventurous, to the point that he liked to race things. And so one day he was racing motorcycles. Had an accident. Severed his spinal cord. And so from that point on, from a very young man, newly married with a new little baby, from his chest down, he's paralyzed. Todd said, I, I, I think folks thought I was in denial. I, I don't think I was in denial. He said, I just had these businesses and I wasn't going to lose them. And so I got a wheelchair and I got a, a vehicle that I could drive with my hands. And, uh, and I put ramps in all of my businesses that I was running. And I just went back to work. I just wasn't going to lose all of my businesses. And so, because he needed certain medical supplies after the injury, he started a medical supply company. Listen to this. That grew to be one of the largest medical supply companies in the country. Started it, ran it, sold it. Now he owns other businesses. So, I admire him for all of that. But what I love most about Todd is his passion for following Jesus. And his compassion for people. So, so here's, here's a guy who just works a crazy number of hours a week. But he coaches all of these ball teams for youth. He's always coaching like three. Ball, every time I talk to him, how many teams do you coach right now? Three. you know, Just nothing stops him. And, and if I said that Todd does all of this being confined to a wheelchair. I, I'm sorry, but the word confined and Todd Brown just doesn't go in the same sentence. He's not confined to anything. He volunteers everywhere. I mean, I'm calling him constantly, leaning on this guy, because I'm always needing his help. So they had one little girl named Haley when the accident occurred. Since then, they've adopted four more kids. The youngest is like three years old. They just blow my mind. I told Annette once, I said, okay, Annette, if I ever complain again... Or if I ever say, like, I can't do something, would you just kick me in the behind as hard as you can and then just say two words, Todd Brown, and I will get it, I'll understand it, you know? You say, wow, this sounds like an amazing guy. Well, I think he is. But I think Todd would tell you immediately, you think I I did this stuff? You think this is me? What do you think my life was like when that accident happened and they looked at me and told me that my spinal cord was severed and I would never walk again? You want to talk about life getting hard? Life got hard. And I turned to God. And I didn't know what to do. But God gave me wisdom. See, here's here's the deal. You ask God for wisdom and here's what James says. He will give it to you. If you come to God with an undivided heart and you say, God, I'm going through some tough stuff. I don't know what to do. I've never been on this road before. I don't know how to navigate this path. This is a difficult situation. I need wisdom, God, James says. You pray and you ask Him and God will give it to you. I love it. What about you being full of wisdom? So, here's, here's how I think we might best respond to God's Word today. So, I'm going to ask you to, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with it, if you're not, just look around. Uh, but, but would you mind bowing your head? I know. You ever been in a church where a preacher asks you to do that? Bow your head, close your eyes. And, and what I'm really asking you to do is just get into a conversation with God and just close everything else out. That's all I'm asking, okay? So bow your head, close your eye, and we're going to have to start here first, okay? Here's where we're going to start. So just you and God in this conversation, and here's what I want you to do. You've got to get it to one sentence, and I can't write the sentence for you. But here's what I want you to fill this in. God, life is hard because... Okay, so you, you've got to fill that in. I can't do that for you. Okay, God, life is hard because. And some of you have a list. You've got six things on your list. Some of you have one thing and you can't think of anything else, you're consumed with it. God, life is hard because something you're going through or something somebody you love is going through. Before we can pray for wisdom, I think we have to deal with this undivided heart issue. And so this is maybe a time of confession, a time of surrender, a time of commitment. Lord, I know that my heart is divided. Sundays, I want to live for Jesus. Mondays, I'm given into temptation. Sundays, I want to accept your word as truth. Mondays, I don't know what I believe anymore. God, give me the grace to surrender. Give me the grace to have an undivided heart with undivided love with unmixed love. Give me the grace to say, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. And I think the third prayer is simply this Lord, I'm on a path. I don't know what to do with. I need wisdom. Will you give me wisdom? You have been listening to a message from Bethany, First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.